Hey y'all, and welcome to the Teacher Nook, where we break down strategies, tools, and resources to help self-contained educators teaching students with significant disabilities, including autism. Learn tips and tricks to manage behavior, improve communication, and build vocational skills in less time and with less stress. We help you work smarter, not harder. It's Ayo here, and I want to thank you for joining me today. As always, I'm here to help you by answering your questions on teaching students with severe and profound disabilities. But before we get to today's episode, I want to remind you that you can have your questions answered on the Teacher Nook by heading over to the website and submitting a question today. If you have your question chosen for the podcast, you'll receive a free resource from the Noodle Nook store. Our store has visual supports for communication and behavior, including token boards and visual schedules, adapted novels and activities to develop students academically, like our new builder bin, your DIY dollar store STEM activities, and vocational training tools like principal and DIY task boxes, all meant to support teachers in special education or autism units. So be sure to visit www.noodlenook.net today to get your questions answered. All right, let's get this podcast started. So I've got a story to tell you, and it was about how I got duped. And I know you'll understand that it actually wasn't even a student who duped me. I, I duped myself. So let me let me back up here and tell you a story. And maybe you've had the same kind of experience. But I will never forget a day that I took a group of students to Taco Bell for a community-based instruction trip. There, there was a student who was in a wheelchair who required a high level of support on campus. And so on campus, we, we cut her food, we opened all her packaging, we even would put the fork, um, the food on the fork at times to make sure that she had access and she would actually lift it to her mouth. But she had cerebral palsy and had a real limited amount of use on one side of her body, as well as some processing delays, so it was just what she needed. All right, so fast forward now, we get to Taco Bell, and I'm on the trip with two of my paraprofessionals, and we had 11 students, we had a lot of balls to juggle that day, we had our hands full, and we were helping all the students with their orders to make sure that they paid for it, and got their food to the table, and I helped this specific student with cerebral palsy, who was in a wheelchair, get her food, get to the table, but I wanted to help a couple other students get through the line too. So I set down all of her things. I told her I will be right back and I will help you open and cut and feed. I just let me go finish these last couple kids in the line. So I went back and I got those students through the line and I returned to her table and um, I got there and she was eating uh, her tacos. And and I asked people at the table if they had helped her and, and my students who were able said no. So I I asked my paraprofessional if if she had helped. And both of my paras said, no, no, we didn't help. And I, I looked at her and I asked, who helped you? And she looked back at me a little bit puzzled and said, no one, I was hungry. Well, <laughs> my mouth fell open. She had opened the tacos. She had taken a few bites. She had even put hot sauce on the darn thing, okay? I sometimes cannot open those packets of hot sauce. She had opened it, and she was eating. Now, it was a little messy at the table, I'll give you that much, but she had done it all herself. And all this time, we were doing everything, everything for her. But she had learned something. She had learned that if she did nothing, we would do everything. Ugh. So duped. Ugh, so duped. 
Well, so that was the day that things for me changed forever. I really had to ask myself, how could I have missed this before now? And now I talked to my parents about what had happened that day, and we were all just flummoxed. I tell you, it it was like, uh, it was an awakening. But we all came back to the same thing. It's what we had always done for her. And it was what the team of teachers and support staff professionals had always done before us for her. That was when we really had to sit down and have a serious conversation with our team about what prompting looks like in our classrooms. And we walked through a principle that you'll find on the Noodle Nook website that will walk you through this hierarchy of prompting and discuss what it looked like at each stage. Because what we found was that we weren't starting with independence as a goal. We were providing a full level of support despite what the student was able to do. So I want you to take a look at this hierarchy. Um, If you'll log on and go to the website, you'll be able to see it. But it really talks about how our goal is independence. Our students, we want them to be able to perform the task with no cues or prompts, just independently perform it. But if they're not, our next level of support is a gesture. So that's when we're just going to indicate with a motion, a head nod, maybe pointing what we want the student to do. If they are unable to pick up on the gesture, then we would maybe do some indirect uh, prompting. We would either do maybe verbal or nonverbal, depends on the student, something indirect. And that's where we're going to tell them something is expected, but not tell them exactly what to do. So it might be something where you give a little facial expression, the what you think, what you, um, what's happening in Willis' face. You might say out loud, um, now what? Or maybe what's next? We're giving them a cue that something's supposed to happen, but not actually doing it for them or telling them what the thing is to do. Now, if that doesn't work, we're going to go to a direct verbal. We're going to directly tell the student what they need to do or what is expected right now. So in, in any case, let's use an example of um, opening up a hot sauce packet. I'm going to tell the student that I want them to open up the hot sauce packet. After that, if that doesn't work, we go to modeling. We show them how it's done and how we want things to happen, but not do that for them. We show them how it's done so they can then repeat it right after us. If that doesn't work, then we go to partial assistance. The student is doing the task and we're providing hand underhand assistance as needed. And then full physical assistance, where we're providing all the support to complete a task. Well, this student had duped us, right? We weren't even in the expectation mode of independence. We weren't doing any gesturing. We weren't doing any verbal or indirect or direct verbal cueing or prompting. We weren't modeling. We jumped right from student can't do it to full assistance. And what the truth is, that student had learned over time that if she just waited a few seconds, the adults around her would do it for her. So after looking at that hierarchy of prompting, I had a few big takeaways. For us and my team, it was a great reminder about how we needed to reframe what we do. Our goal, our goal is to get independence. And we need to be thinking about what a student is doing for themselves all the time, every day. I know our students need support in so many things. But then the next question should be, what can we put in place so that we can move away from this full assistance and get to a lower level of support. 
Is it a visual? Is it a cueing system? Is it a repeated sequence? Or is it as simple as making a student try some tasks independently just to see what happens and then reassess our support? Either way, we have to stop being so helpful so that we can be more helpful. <laughs> and then don't forget about that wait time. Legit, this girl had learned to just wait. So our team had to have a conversation about this wait time. And this, you know, this happens to all of us, right? We condition ourselves to, to we're really just out to help our students. And our students just learn to outweigh us. We've got a million things to do. And when we tell a student to open up their taco, they're just working on that one task while we're multitasking like crazy. And we often don't get into waiting and letting them try. We're trying to, to get the tasks done so we can get onto the next of a million tasks we have to do. So maybe give a directive and then move on to something else and come back and check. That way a student will learn that they, can, they can't be outweighed or learn to at least self-advocate by asking for assistance if they really cannot legitimately do it. But either way, teaching a student that you will outweigh them or empowering them towards self-advocacy is a win-win in my book. But what we can't do and what we've got to make sure we're not doing on accident is to pacify our students by teaching them through our own behavior that we will do it for you if you just wait long enough. Oh, we have to have to provide more wait time and let that independence be our base expectation. So then the other big thing is you've got to remember all these steps in between. That was another big takeaway for my team as we were reviewing all of the steps in between independence and full assistance. It, you don't give a directive, wait a couple seconds, and then just do it for them. You have to move through this prompting hierarchy. So you might actually want to go on the site and print a few of them to have around the classroom so that you can really think of what it looks like with your students in the moment. And you might have to practice what it looks like with students. We're just so used to being helpful that it's hard to be less helpful. And be sure, let me tell you, as you're working with your support staff, you've got to model what this looks like and really walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. You've got to work through these levels of prompting as you're working with your students. So to flash back to the story here, I, I want you to know that I never got duped by this student again. Well, maybe I did and I don't know about it, but my taco student had an entire set of skills that she had kept hidden from us all this time. That Taco Bell trip, it was during her second year with us. And I had taken the prior school's notes to heart as to the level of support that she needed. So when she arrived to us, we jumped into action with tons of help, the help that was outlined for us. And we had done that for a whole year and a half before we had our Taco Bell moment. But what other people do is not the gold standard of what you need to do. I know that was like mind-blowing for me. With every new student, it's important that you're forming your own opinion as to what they can really do successfully and what you can do to challenge the student to attempt to learn new things, right? We have always, always, always got to be thinking about moving our students forward and also about fading the level of support that we give. Don't forget the goal. The goal is independence. Independence. So you've got to get the principle off the website. It's www.noodlenook.net. Just search for prompting hierarchy. You'll be able to get that principle and really put it in your classroom. 
It's so important that you're able to walk through those levels of prompting. And even if you're a a data lover like me, that you're even taking some good data about how much support your students need to be independent in the tasks that they're doing in the classroom. You might find that students that you have labeled independent are really super prompt dependent because you're not working through the hierarchy. So I'm curious, what stories and experiences do you have with students in terms of this hierarchy of prompting? Do you have your own Taco Bell story? Because seriously, I would love to hear it. (laughs) Please share it with me. Comment. Go to the website and make a comment. Send me an email. I love to hear stories about other people having gone through the same things as I have. And success stories bring me happiness. So share those success stories too. I think it helps us all to hear that other teachers are just like us, that they struggle and that they have successes over time. There are so many questions out there about how to be the best teacher you can be when you work with low-incident students and students with severe disabilities like autism. And we need all the great teachers we can get, so stay strong and teach on. Thanks for listening to The Teacher Nook. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing now. You can do that by visiting www.noodlenook.net or searching on your favorite podcast player. Bye, y'all. Till next time.